2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, June 13th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta Joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News writer Ryan Scott.
3: Happy Monday, everyone. How's it going?
2: It's good. Um, so this weekend, Jurassic World Dominion came out at the box office. This is both you and me had predicted that this movie was going to top the summer. There's i'm not so sure about that anymore but h- how did it do this weekend
3: um critically or commercially peter
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh well okay Critically, let's, let's start off critically because i think this will come into play later we may as well set it up it's absolutely how-
3: gonna come into play here yeah
2: yeah how did, how did it do critically
3: it's a bit of a mixed bag so um uh critics critics were not having it um Uh, uh, it is currently the lowest rated, um, uh, Jurassic movie of any kind on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it is currently, uh, sitting at a measly 30% with almost 300 critic reviews counted. Uh, but, but the audience score is at 79% and it got an A minus cinema score, which is great. Um, and that is far better than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom in terms of the audience stuff. So general moviegoers seem to be liking (laughs) this one more, whereas critics are more or less still in line with where they were at with Fallen Kingdom. Um,
2: I, I, I will say this much, that my Twitter timeline, which is mostly film Twitter, seems to venomously hate this movie with a passion. Like It seems like people want this movie to you know, catch fire and all the prints to be destroyed. There's, there's film reviews that have headlines. Colin Trevorrow is the second worst thing, second worst thing to happen to dinosaurs, which is funny.
3: <laughs> That's pretty brutal. That's, yeah. I would look, I really didn't like the movie, but I wouldn't go that far.
2: Uh That said, I, when I saw it in the theater, I, it, it played well. And I, I don't know. I, I get it. It's stupid. It's stupid. The plot is ridiculous. The screenplay is is dumb. The characters are doing things. What are they doing? How did the like this trilogy end up being about these like Jurassic sized insects? I I don't know what's going on, but I had fun, right? <laughs> so,
3: um, I'm I'm happy you had fun, Peter. Uh, this was <laughs> this was my this was my single most anticipated movie of the year, and um, I I don't. I didn't, I certainly didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did, but given my expectations for it, um, it, the more I've thought about it, the less, the less I've (laughs) been happy because I really didn't like fallen kingdom. Like I, and I, and and that was coming from a place. I love the first Jurassic world. Let me be very clear. I think it's important to understand because a lot of people that hate this movie didn't like it this trilogy from the start I loved Jurassic World like I was like let's go I was all in and then Fallen Kingdom really bummed me out but my biggest thing was that I thought like okay if you're gonna go that far out of your way in Fallen Kingdom to blow up Ilanublar and like get the dinosaurs on the mainland you must have a good reason for it Oh, it's my... it's
2: going to be World War Dino, right? right. It's, it's oh, not or... like they're going to create another island with dinosaurs,
3: right? And so I don't want to get too much into spoilers here for people <laughs> that haven't seen it, but but it it what really blew my mind is just how little it kind of justified the 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 crazy thing they did to get here, and you know I don't know, but anyway, so so to say, let's let's call it safely mixed, right? Let's say the response is mixed, although your average Joe middle America moviegoer <clears throat> who is not really on Twitter probably, probably likes it. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of where we're at.
2: Okay. So the first weekend has to tell us some sort of story because like, you know, this was the old generation of Jurassic park uh, the actors coming together with the new generation of Jurassic world actors. And it seemed like we were expecting this to do huge box office.
3: Yeah, and it did. Uh, it made one hundred and forty three point three million dollars. That is a very huge number. Uh, it did extremely well overseas as well. Uh, currently sits at three hundred eighty nine point one million worldwide. It actually did pretty well in China because it secured a Chinese release date, uh, which is, um, you know, not something that every movie is getting right now. It's made fifty two million dollars in China in its opening weekend, which is great. Um, you know, so it's doing well, but. You know, the thing is, like, the full narrative of this movie is going to be what does it do next weekend, especially when Lightyear is coming out. It is immediately facing big competition. And then you have Thor, Love, and Thunder right around the corner. So, you know. did
2: did this do as well as you thought it was going to do on opening weekend?
3: No, no, not at all. Uh, Because the original Jurassic World made $208 and that was a record at the time. Um, And then Fallen Kingdom, which you know was much less favorably reviewed but also didn't have a 14 year gap between sequels made 148 now i thought with the original cast coming back and the prospect of what this movie was at least marketing itself have was going to get you above fallen kingdom so the fact that this did less than fallen kingdom was a bit you know uh yeah that 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 to me was a bit surprising but you know that's still a gigantic number and you know it's probably going to sail to a billion worldwide so you know i mean what you know you can't you can't by any measure call it, call it a failure it's going to be you know universal's pop and champagne my question is for the future both in the immediate future and the and the long term future of the franchise so you know we'll see
2: what do you think the long term future of this franchise is
3: i think from a corporate standpoint you can't let this die you're not allowed to your balance sheet says you can't um and we also when my conversation with Frank Marshall Frank the great Frank Marshall last year he indicated strongly to us that they are not going to let this go like this is not going to be the last movie it just might be the end of this trilogy but you know so my thing is i you know you can't go any bigger than this you know there's no this was about as big as you can get so i don't really know where you go from here like in terms of justifying a story do you go back in the timeline do you reboot do you i don't know I don't envy the people that have to make those decisions, but there's no way they let it, you know, die for 14 years or whatever. It's not, you know, they're going to have to do something with it. I just don't know what that is.
2: I have a pitch for you, Ryan.
3: I'm all, I'm all for it, Peter. What do you got?
2: (laughs) Okay. So the events of Jurassic park one and two are the only things that have happened or actually, yeah, no, that's the only things that have happened.
3: Okay. So that puts you in 1997 and then you have four years until Jurassic park three happens. What do you got for me, Peter?
2: Well, no, I'm I'm doing one of those soft reboots where it's like it's only considering those two as canon, and the rest is like
3: okay. There's no way they're going to do that, but I'm listening.
2: So they know that if Jurassic Park, as like they made a movie on it, they made a book on it, like people are excited about the like Jurassic Park is a franchise, and people, even though this thing existed for like a brief moment in time, no one got to visit it. People have had this fascination about it. So the corporation that owns this. Uh, property that bought it from InGen or maybe it is InGen who knows uh they end up deciding to make a real life Jurassic Park but with robotic dinosaurs like animatronic dinosaurs that are fully uh autonomous and AI controlled so we're basically taking Michael Crichton's
3: are you pitching itchy and scratchy land to me
2: (laughs) <laughs> well yes, but I'm say, I'm saying Jurassic, Jurassic Park meets Westworld where you actually have Jurassic Park open but it's animatronic uh AI dinosaurs that go crazy and try to kill everybody.
3: Remember kids, we're parked in the itchy lot.
2: <laughs> okay, uh, so you you said Lightyear comes out next week.
3: Co- Lightyear comes out Friday. Lightyear the Jurassic World week, doesn't even get sorry. a week. It gets, you know, Lightyear comes out Friday.
2: uh with this critical uh response but there's also like a, a somewhat positive audience response like do you think it's going to have like wh- how much of a percentage drop do you think we'll see this week
3: 60 plus ouch yeah That's well tough. because i think if you had a week without Lightyear, maybe maybe you hold 50 ish but i think because the other thing we haven't talked about is top gun maverick held insanely well so, like, top people are still going to see Top Gun Maverick. And then Lightyear is the first Pixar movie to hit theaters in a few years, you know, with like the Toy Story branding attached to it. I don't know if it'll be enough to take number one, but it'll certainly draw a lot of that same family friendly crowd, I think. So, like, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't think, I, I think you'd be a miracle if this holds above 60%.
2: Yeah, you know I I would have thought that Jurassic World would have been counter programming to Top Gun Maverick and it would have like really 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 hurt its box office process, prospects over the weekend. But it still like added what another 50 million?
3: 50 mil which is to me and this is the thing that this is one of the most encouraging weekends we've had in a long time because like we talked about last week where, you know, Top Gun made, I think it was like 90 million last week. And then like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness only made like 9 million. And that was your the number two movie. Well, this week you had the <laughs> number one movie made 143 million and your number two movie made 50 million. So what you're seeing is that things can coexist. There is enough audience appetite to go around as long as like the movies people want to see. Because any big blockbuster, Morbius topped the box office in its opening weekend. You can get a weekend. But what can you do beyond that? Can your movie hold? And what we're seeing here is that moviegoers will show up. And it doesn't matter if there's another movie out. If it's something they want to see, they'll go see it. You know, so, so this was super encouraging to me. This is getting closer to normalcy where you start losing normal and the rest of the top 10 where everything combined made about 15 million dollars but everything everywhere all at once continued to make money it is now A24's biggest movie of all time you know these are encouraging things to me in the overall narrative this is good the fact that the bad guys in its eighth weekend still made 2.2 million even though it's been available on VOD forever you know like these are good things you know if i'm to, if i'm for you know if i'm forced to look at you know the new normal like this is good this is encouraging this can be a normal summer so you know that that to me is the big takeaway there
2: okay uh is there anything else you want to mention box office wise for this past weekend i'm sorry what's that is there anything else box office wise that you wanted to talk about for this past weekend uh
3: no uh no you know i think that's the main points is that you know and again i mean kudos to everything everywhere all at once that's a huge accomplishment uh you know 83 million worldwide i mean good good right on for original cinema that's a big deal so you know that's the only other thing i'd mention is like good good on you there
2: in that film that that film beat out what hereditary and i feel like i don't know me maybe it's it's i'm i'm in the now but it feels like everything everywhere all at once has made a a bigger cultural impact than hereditary did
3: i think i think i think especially given the timing right like because everything everywhere all at once seemed like the kind of movie that couldn't possibly make this kind of money in the current marketplace. Yeah. Whereas hereditary at the time. And I think hereditary did, did a good deal at the time, but like hereditary was very much marketed as like, this is a shit your pants horror movie. And a lot of people talked about it. I think that like what hereditary got was like your general audiences sort of being like, it wasn't like a very straightforward horror movie. It was a little like esoteric and, and strange Whereas like, this is very much a crowd pleaser and it's doing this at a time where it just didn't seem possible. So like the narrative surrounding everything everywhere all at once is a lot more positive and like, kind of like downright incredible. Whereas Hereditary, a great film that like got a lot of buzz. It was a, it was a very, it was a horror movie that generated a lot of buzz out of a film festival that was always going to be able to make some money. You know, so what this has done is a bit more extraordinary in my opinion.
2: Um, okay, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, today is Sony last week made an announcement. I wasn't expecting that Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be swinging back into theaters uh, with an extended cut. It's going to be called uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home, the more fun stuff version. And um, it's going to – there's not much in terms of information here. It's going to come out on Friday, September 2nd. And, uh, so that's not going to affect the summer box office, uh, but it's going to be released in the us and Canada. And I've seen some places reporting that it's 15 minutes of added and extended scenes, but I don't know the source of that. So I'm not sure if 15 minutes is, is correct or not. Um, but I don't think Marvel has done this before. I mean, I guess they have with Deadpool, it, it, Marvel, the Marvel but that Cinematic was Fox. Universe. That wasn't Marvel yeah. Studios. Yeah, but uh, is this something you expected to happen?
3: (laughs) I don't know that I expected exactly this, and I don't know that I expected them to wait till September to do it. Um, But if we look at the calendar, you know, there isn't a lot coming out around that time. The following week, you have Salem's lot. But, you know, that's kind of... September can be a bit of a dead zone. So if around that time... I will say
2: this... I was gonna say this seems like a desperate move by Sony to just like get there. Like, don't don't they they still haven't crossed the uh, what is it two billion?
3: Yeah, so it's at one point nine billion. Where, where right are they now. at
2: the box office?
3: Yeah, they're at one point nine. So I think like I think yeah, this is almost definitely an attempt to see if they can push it over that two billion dollar mark. But like, I don't know. I mean, you go out on a weekend where you're not getting in the way of anything else. You know why not? They saw an open spot on the calendar. You know, by that time, you might have a little bit of an appetite for it. I don't it's a harmless decision. And if and and if it gets people in theaters at a time where like there's like kind of a dead zone there where like you can get people in seats, you know, that's a good thing to me. That's fine. There's I don't see anything wrong with that. Like it it is you're right. It is a little desperate, but like, you know, it's transparent. It's very obvious what they're doing. But so what? You know, like, you know, why not? You're Sony capitalize on it.
2: (laughs) By the way, I love the idea of re-releasing extended cuts, director's cuts in theaters like that. That is something I feel like should happen more often, especially with these crowd-pleasing movies where people would like to see it a, like for a second or third time on the big screen. Um, I just wonder, is there enough here? Like, if, For a movie like Infinity War or Endgame, I bet you there was a ton of stuff that they had to cut from those movies. And here I'm Betting It's just like extended scenes and some alternate jokes and stuff. So I'm not sure if this is, if it's necessary to have, to, to be excited for extended cut here. Are, are you excited? I don't know if I'm
3: excited. I'm curious. I mean, I really love the movie. Like I yeah. saw it three times in theaters and that third act is about, it's just about as entertaining as that kind of movie gets. You know, so like, so I mean, you know, cause like, I think we all knew what was happening in that movie, but then like when it actually happens, it's more delightful than I think I w- ever thought it could have been. And like, you know, Andrew Garfield really like, man, he, he came for his prize, you know, <laughs> like, cause I've yeah. seen that movie a few times now and, you know, so I'm all for it. Like, you know, go nuts. Like people had a good time with it. You know, I haven't seen people united over like a big blockbuster popcorn movie like that in a long time where like. Even people that seem pretty cynical about superhero stuff were like, yeah, that was fun. That was a good time. You know, so like, whatever, like, fine. So be it. I, I'm not one to as someone who just who has had his two most anticipated movies of this year, disappoint him greatly. I, 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 I take nothing away from the notion of base cinematic joy. Yeah. yeah so like if the, if this is something that can bring people a base level of cinematic joy, it's harmless. I don't see why not. Let's go for it.
2: Okay, the last story I want to talk about today, I'm not sure if it means something to everybody, but it's something that means something to me. You know, I'm sitting here podcasting, recording in a home that is covered uh, <laughs> almost from floor to ceiling with uh, movie pop culture art, and a lot of that art is produced by this company named Mondo, which uh, started in Austin as part of the Alamo Draft House, and now it is being sold. Tell us about this, Ryan.
3: Yeah, it's kind of a, if you live in Austin and you go to the Alamo Draft House, it's a big deal. Um, Mondo, you know, very unique aesthetic uh, with collectibles and stuff. I myself, my, one of my prized pop culture possessions is a Jurassic Park Mondo poster that I paid a lot of money for. I love it. Um, but uh, Alamo Draft House, you know, they had to file bankruptcy over, over COVID. They struggled to make it. They closed a lot of theaters. They have emerged from that, but they're sort of restructuring their business and they're finding a way to move forward and focus specifically on the movie stuff. So, they have sold Mondo. Uh, Mondo is now part of Funko, who makes the pop figures we all know. Uh, you know, another thing I'm staring at on my desk right now is a couple pop figures. But you know, it's kind of a it's kind of surprising for people that like this little boutique shop for collectibles here. Um, but but uh, you know, the 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 messaging has largely been that. Mondo needs to grow and it doesn't really have room to do that at Alamo right now. Whereas Funko is very well equipped to take that on. And and the the messaging largely seems to be, they're going to let Mondo be its thing. They're just going to help support the company to try to help it grow. Uh, Tim league, the, um, uh, co-founder of uh, uh, Alamo Drafthouse uh, said, over the past few months, we searched exhaust- exhaustively to find a partner who saw what was unique and special about Mondo and was in a position to meaningfully, meaningfully invest in Mondo, nurture the team, and further uh, its reach and vision. Funko is exactly that unicorn. The team that made Mondo amazing is staying together, making the transition to Funko, and will continue their same work with the same creative vision. I am super excited about the future plans and I, that I know about, and I'm sure I will soon marvel at the work that is not yet even a light bulb spark. So, you know, that's uh, that's more or less what's happening here. Uh, 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 uh the yeah, I mean, you know, we yeah. don't really know what what that future holds or what it looks like. But the interesting thing here is, is Mondo has to kind of been reality.
2: this. Oh wait, I'm I'm losing you again, Ryan. Are you there?
3: Yeah, I lost you again for a second too. What? Uh, I'm not sure. What's um, going on here. you want to just pick up when I finish the story? Yeah. Okay, go ahead and share your thoughts then.
2: Sorry. Um, uh, I don't know why this is happening. Okay, here we go. Um, I think the interesting thing here is that Mondo has always been kind of like this art house, uh. Even when they, you know, even the the bigger movies they feature, they feature in a a, a, a like a grindhouse g- g- classy, grindhouse yet classy kind of way to it. Uh, their collectibles are more expensive than other people's collectibles because they're they they like they have like their audience perfectly, you know, in the bag. I feel like, like there's something about the way Mondo does stuff that is unlike any other company that does. Uh, pop culture uh, merchandise out there, but on the other hand, Funko, you know, has the licenses for everything. They, they 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 make pop figures of everything. Like I feel like back in the day, I used to be able to you know buy action figures of like these. Niche Star Wars characters that were in the background of a scene for a couple seconds, and that doesn't happen anymore. But I can now buy the Funko Pops of them because they make Funko Pops of everything. And I think it'll be under uh, a huge um, benefit to Mondo to be able to have access to maybe the Funko like all these contracts that Funko has with the licensees. I'm not sure how that works. I'm not going to pretend that like just because Funko has a contract that that now means Mondo can do stuff. But I'm sure there's something with that or maybe at least in the future that they can include that in future contracts. And the fact that like good artists that I love are going to now be able to like make more art, uh, more movies, and more stuff that I love uh, is exciting to me.
3: I Mondo absolutely has room to grow and they make great stuff. It's just, it's just going to be weird not having that associated with the draft house. Um, I do think you're right. And that like Funko's resources, assuming that Funko allows Mondo to still be Mondo, it could generate a lot of cool opportunity. I think it's just hard for a lot of us to look at this thing that, you know, was like this cool, almost mom and pop thing that like delivered a lot of great stuff. And like, I think it's easy to look at Funko pretty cynically because they'll, they'll make a toy out of anything. (laughs) So like what you don't want to have happen is, you know, the Mondo guys having to make t-shirts for Funko pops, you know what I mean? Like, but, but hopefully, hopefully that won't be the case. And hopefully, you know, they will really get to, hopefully they'll do the Disney thing where Disney like absorbs things and goes like, okay, this was working. Let's just give you support to make it better. You know, like what they did with Pixar, what they did with Marvel. You know, like you can hope that Funko will do that on a smaller scale with Mondo. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, I love Mondo stuff. Like their vinyl releases, my God. Like what Mondo does with like movie soundtracks, it is incredible stuff. And, you know, I really just hope that stuff can continue to be at that quality, even with scale under a company with a much larger mission.
2: Oh, I think it will because, you know, I... I I had known some people that were part of Mondo and stuff like that and it was something that surprised me because I'm such a, a big part of the the art collecting world and collecting the screen prints that they do um I didn't realize that the that the records the ones that you collect are like the biggest part of their business it, it, it's how they make the the most amount of their money at least a, a few years ago from what I understood. Um, so I'm guessing that's going to be uh, a huge part of it. Uh, the the problem with like the limited uh, edition screen prints is you can only make up to like what a thousand of them. Um, so you know after you paid the artist, you paid the license and fee. I- I'm I'm guessing there's a limit on how much a company can make. So I'm I'm kind of worried that now owned by Funko, is it is it worth worth it for Funko to like produce these prints? as much as Mondo had been doing, or will they ramp it up? Is, is it going to be harder to buy these prints? Because it's already hard enough when a Mondo drops like a limited edition screen print on their website to be able to buy it. But now that Funko is part of this, uh, the Funko collectors are, are uh, no joke. <laughs> uh, they, they collect everything. So I'm wondering, do you think it's going to be harder to collect Mondo stuff, or do you think they're going to make it more accessible and less limited edition with this deal.
3: I think it depends on the individual item. I think overall it might. Yeah. It, I mean, Funko is going to bring a lot of attention to it. It's going to make it hard. Um But I also think that like what might end up happening is that you'll, you'll get that support and corporate resource stuff. And so Mondo might be able to do more drops, more things, more stuff. So you might miss out on that one thing, but there might just be like more Mondo around the corner, you know? So like, it, it, that's what, it, that would be my guess. Maybe. Um, but I, I'm not really certain the collectible yeah. game is not something I'm in as much. But uh, the, although the record thing doesn't really surprise me that much because vinyl sales have shot up so much in the past, like 10 years, that it actually wouldn't surprise me too much. learn that's where they're making a lot of money. But, you know, hopefully Funko still sees the value in that side of the business.
2: Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited about this. Both companies have a uh, they've kind of invested in their tabletop divisions of making board games and card games. So I think there's like an alliance to be seen there as well. Um, I guess what what I'm nervous about, I I hope that Mondo doesn't start like making like posters with like the big head, you know, black eyed Funko pops. I hope it doesn't become that. That's going
3: to happen. Like, make your peace with it. They're, that's going to be part of the business. There's no question they're going to leverage Mondo's good name to make Funko crap, but like, but at the same time, I think they're probably still going to let them do their thing too.
2: I and the other thing I can see a benefit. Funko owns Loungefly, which I'm not sure if you know them, but uh, my my girlfriend collects. A lot of these like backpacks or like purses um they're very popular in like disney circles and uh, th- th- that's a whole division of that company that like makes them a lot of money and it'd be cool to see like the art that happens from these mondo artists the the you know artists we love matt ferguson Ty- tyler stout you know oh i'm not gonna start listing them because there'd be a list a mile long but it'd be cool to see some of that stuff like maybe get some love on like you know in, in addition to what they've been doing with like puzzles and vinyl and board games but maybe extending it out to like lounge flies and uh, t-shirts and other things that funko is able to like help facilitate so
3: yeah and, and lounge fly is a pretty good example of you know I think that like Funko has largely let Loungefly flourish under its tutelage. So yeah. I, I think like if, if you know, Mondo can do the same under Funko, then it, it probably could be good for, for you know, I feel like we're having a conversation about, a, I feel like we're having the conversation about like the band selling out, right? Like the band just sold to like a major record label and, you know, we're just worried that the band's selling out, but the band's not selling out. Hopefully it
2: works out yeah uh and i'm wondering how many people out there even care about this but like mondo has been such a huge part of the last like 10 or 15 years of my life and I, I i really i wish them the best i know all the people there they're they're great people um i hope that this is all good things for that company and as a collector of of these of the, their prints and collectibles i hope uh it means only good things in the future so i, I i'm hopeful is what i'm saying Uh, But that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Dayway. You can find more of all of our work at Slash Film.com. You can find this podcast in Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at Slash Film.com. And please rate and read this podcast in Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.
1: This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,